Um, I want to go ahead and introduce our speakers. Um, so CCCN is highlighting bereavement support, uh, which coincides with National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month every October. Um, during this entire month, business organizations and individuals are honoring and remembering those who have lost a child during pregnancy or lost a child in infancy. Um, dealing with loss um, in the family is never easier for a friend or a loved one, and as well, the impact of loss for the care provider, um, which is us. And today we'll hear from our speakers about the resources and support they offer to our clients, again, our friends and our loved ones. Um, I, before we start, um, this is a, can be a heavy topic um, and the content. And so um, I do would like to take a minute to just pause and honor if you've experienced any loss or if you or a friend or loved one has experienced any loss, um, please feel free to share a name. But for one minute, if we can just close our eyes, if you wanna bring your hand to your heart, um, we'll just take a minute to honor um, those not my boss. So thank you. Greta as well. Thank you all for being here. And um, without further ado, I'm gonna go ahead and introduce you um, to our speakers. Um, so you can go ahead and mute during their presentations. Um, I have the honor to introduce Jennifer Rogas, um, who's Associate Clinical Social Worker and perinatal mental, uh, with Perinatal Mental Health Certification. Thanks, Jennifer. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Um, can everybody hear me okay? I've been having a little bit of connectivity issues. Great. Okay. So um, I'm so honored to be on here and getting the chance to kind of share a little bit about what I do. Um, as I mentioned previously, I am a therapist um, specializing in women's mental health, but have the added specialty in perinatal and postpartum mood and anxiety disorders, which is kind of an umbrella term um, to kind of encompass the perinatal postpartum experience. Um, something that I thought I would start off with was a little bit of my career background. Um, I have worked in a plethora of different um, places. Um, I've worked at a family care network, which some of you might be um, familiar with. I've worked at the hospital in the ER as the primary social worker, the county, um, and I've also had experience working at a detox facility for pregnant and postpartum moms. Um, but throughout my career, when I kind of started in, um, on my path of becoming a therapist, I always knew I had this underlining passion for perinatal and postpartum, the, that population. 
So I kind of always knew I would circle my way back to it, which is what I get to do now, which is great. Um, so um, while I was kind of developing my career, I um, got certified in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And um, now I kind of have the opportunity and the blessing of working with this population um, along with my partner, Megan Richard, which some of you are familiar with. So I kind of thought I would just kind of start with some um, defining basics of what is grief and what is bereavement, because um, those are kind of terms we hear all the time. So grief describes the response to any type of loss. It's the roller coaster of emotions that we experience. And it's not limited to just feelings of sadness. It can include anger, guilt, yearning, regret. Um, and despite popular opinion, it's actually not methodical. It's a process that can take months or years. And it sometimes even means revisiting the same emotion multiple times. Um, Grief is really chaotic. So a lot of people kind of identify grief as like the stages of grief. We hear that a lot, but actually um, grief is not in stages. It is that process that can just go on and on, can be short-term, it can be long-term. But I think some of the adaption, some of the like identification of it being in stages is really coming from the need of like needing to organize ourselves during such a chaotic time. So I just really want to highlight that, you know, Grief isn't black and white. It's not something that you can just move through in six months time. It's very, very in-depth and uh, very complicated. So I just wanted to kind of share that. And bereavement is kind of grief that involves losing a loved one. Um, and that can vary dramatically depending on one's culture. So that could mean their attitude towards death. It could mean the remembrance of the deceased and how they display emotion. So two very different things kind of under, under the same umbrella. So for me in my career, um, I work with perinatal patients and um, some that you guys might come across that maybe are peri in the perinatal population and who haven't experienced perinatal loss, but have experienced grief and loss. Um, those can kind of look like divorce, breakups, loss of family support, you know, grief of COVID. So it's important to kind of still measure if you have a client who is pre or post baby and experienced any kind of loss. It's not subject to just perinatal loss. Um, and I'll go into more of that in, in just a minute. So um, you might be wondering, okay, well, what is perinatal bereavement or what is perinatal loss? And the clinical definition is, is the non-voluntary end of a pregnancy from conception to during pregnancy and up to 28 days of a newborn's life. So that's a pretty vast um, measure of time, right? You've had the baby up to 28 days, that's still considered perinatal loss. And then if you're still in the preconception pregnancy phase, that um, fetus or pregnancy um, is not viable or it doesn't work or doesn't take, that's still considered perinatal loss. So it's a little confusing, but that's the clinical definition. Um, <clears throat> and so I think what's important for me to really speak about today is that there's a higher prevalence than what is reported. And a lot of women just white knuckle through it. Um, grief is 24 seven and it is private. It's messy and uh, I had a client who defined it as ugly, which I thought was a really interesting way of kind of describing such an intimate um, experience. So to give you guys some insight, perinatal loss occurs in almost 2 million women a year. So that's one in three. And um, 
2 million of these losses can occur by miscarriages, terminations, ectopic pregnancies, molar pregnancies, or stillbirth. Uh, so to break it down even further, there's a stillbirth every 21 minutes in the United States, which is astronomically high, or 70 stillbirths a day, and 10 to 25% of all pregnancies end in miscarriage. So as you can see, lots of women face this and a lot of them suffer um, in silence. So you're probably wondering, okay, so how does having a miscarriage or a stillbirth or perinatal uh, loss affect my mental health or affect the woman's mental health? Well, women who have experienced perinatal loss are at higher risk for mental health complications moving forward. So um, a woman experiencing significant loss, such as loss of a baby, or maybe even a birth outcome that she wasn't expecting, like the baby going to the NICU, a C-section, a preemie, anything before 37 weeks, um, they're at risk and a significant risk of really not being able to grieve in a healthy way. So we call that complicated grief. So in, comp in complicated grief, you are constantly ruminating in what happened, the woulda, coulda, shouldas, the onlys, the attachments uh, to the fetus or the baby, you can't find joy, you know, it goes on for years. It's like this feeling of emptiness that kind of gets bigger and bigger and kind of um, exists within this woman and it's very isolating. Um, it's chronic and it's kept incredibly private most of the time. It's not visible. And as I said before, they often will suffer in silence. Um, so that being said, carrying all this is going to propel you into developing a PMAD, which is a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. So such as postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. Um, mothers who experience stillbirth are at risk of um, developing PMADs and the highest is actually within six months after the loss. So a lot of um, providers that I've seen and a lot of women, they kind of like are right there with them in the beginning, like those first month, the first two months, they're right there, they're providing support, but it actually it's the most prevalent six months after the loss. It's really important for providers to really stay on top of that mom and to really follow them through their grief process. Um, 50 to 80% of women do go on to have another child and they're going into that pregnancy in a traumatized state. The pregnancy doesn't feel safe. They're at high risk of PMADs. Um, they're looking, they're having a heart, like, so if they have had the baby, they might have a harder time attuning to the new child as much as they like. Their amygdalas, um, that part of the brain, they're on guard. They're constantly experiencing ruminating thoughts. So they might need a psychiatrist or they might have breastfeeding issues or sleeping issues or constantly checking if the baby is okay. And those are just some like small examples to kind of point providers in the direction of maybe there's something else going on that we need to dig deeper on. Um, so essentially there's a, just a ton of variables that need to be assessed when a woman has had a baby and has lost it. Um, or, you know, has been pregnant and lost it. So what I have really noticed is that it's crucial for any provider in the birth field to truly do a thorough assessment of that woman's background and identify, is there a previous loss, regardless if it was, you know, a six week pregnancy that terminated, or, you know, they had the baby and it passed away in the NICU. If that loss is present, um, it's important to look at that woman as a very high risk patient. Um, for any kind of mental health, a mental health disorder. Um, 
So as I said, um, what's important to know is having a future pregnancy does not mean mental health problems are resolved. So I've also met providers who um, know a previous woman had had a loss and she has a new pregnancy. Pregnancy is fine. She has the baby. Everything's great. That does not mean that she's fine. Um, the, the, it is possible for her to find joy in the new pregnancy, but also be experiencing severe guilt and depression regarding the loss of the pregnancy prior, right? Like why did this one work first, not the other one? Um, so what are some symptoms? I kind of thought I would break it down for you guys. So generally you're kind of expecting people to return to functioning after a loss within four to six weeks. If after the four to six weeks, um, she is really not coping correctly. Um, you're noticing, you know, like I said before, she's having insomnia. She's, um, constantly re-experiencing the trauma. She's having suicidal ideation intense emotional reactions when a pregnant woman is around her or if she sees a pregnant woman and a baby, emotional numbing, feelings of detachment, isolation from her friends and family, um, inner conflicts of shame and guilt, feeling like she did something wrong, why didn't it work, self-blame, a loss of self-identity, all of those things, if you're hearing those things past the four to six week mark, it's pretty much a good indicator that she would probably need to be referred to a mental health professional or a um, um, sometimes a psychiatrist. So what does treatment look like? Um, something that is really um, evident to me as I've gone about my work is that a lot of women are afraid to heal. Um, they're really afraid to move away from the pain and the suffering that they have because that is the resemblance of the connection to the lost child. So it's important that they find balance and they find joy and that as providers, we remind them they're not going to forget their child if they move forward and they kind of close that chapter of their life, right? That baby will always exist in their minds and in their hearts, but it does not need to dictate and stigmatize and um, hold them back from their future. Um, so that's something that I've noticed that a lot of people actually will stay in the suffering and silence because they don't want to lose that connection from that baby that they lost. So um, another, so part of the treatment would be referring to a perinatal um, mental health certified therapist. So like myself or Megan are um, two of three in our community that specialize in this. Sometimes um, we'll meet with them and we'll determine that, you know, this is more uh, not just therapy required, but also requires a psychiatrist to maybe provide medication to help them get back on their feet. Um, they'll meet weekly with us, usually for three to four weeks or as long as they need until they feel that they've moved into a place of um, a stronger foundation. And then we would start titrating down to like a couple times a month. Um, we use different types of therapy modalities. Um, you know, we want to normalize her experience. We want to process the grief while educating her. Um, and some things that we can do in therapy just to adjust grief. And these are just some ideas that we usually do is we ask them if they've named the fetus or the baby, and we use that name frequently in session. Um, it can be very important to say those names because it honors and memor uh, memorializes the baby. And it actually reinforces the idea that it was real. A lot of women toy with this kind of like, um, confusion of like, did that really happen? Especially if it's a miscarriage, was I really pregnant? I never saw it. I never knew it. Why am I so sad? Why is this so hard for me? I had no actual physical attachment to it. 
Um, we ask them to write a letter to that baby. That's a part of the grieving process. Um, studies show that writing letters actually helps um, discharge a lot of the pain and the trauma. Um, honoring the baby on special days. So, you know, holidays, due dates, taking the time to share their loss with loved ones, talking about that baby, going to a special spot, um, journaling, as I said. Um, we do a lot of embodiment practices. So breath work, um, mantras, tension releasing and muscles to relieve anxiety and trauma. We give language and understanding to the loss so that they can share it with friends and supportive circles. And we help them develop coping skills or um, for their depression and anxiety to kind of help herself regulate. So going through a walk, making time for self-care. We are big proponents in self-care, um, setting boundaries with partners, forming a new identity, adjusting to a new normal because it is a new normal. So, and then lastly, I just want to say that, you know, for moms who are wanting another baby, um, we are really um, structured about how we incorporate the previous grief with the hope of a new baby. So as I said, helping them understand that both emotions can exist at the same time, the grief and the loss and the excitement and joy. So local resources, um, myself and Megan, we are both P PMHC um, certified therapists um, and we're both taking new clients. Um, Hospice Slow County, we offer, uh, they offer free bereavement counseling for community members. This is not specific to perinatal loss, this is any kind of loss. Um, Postpartum Support International, they have a wonderful grief and loss support group that's telehealth wise. And then Star Legacy Foundation Bereavement Support Group, that's another great one that has online support groups. So I know that was a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if you guys have any questions, I think uh, Zabrina said we're taking questions at the end, if I remember correctly. Yes, that okay. is correct. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, that was so insightful um, and breaking that down, especially the definitions and grief and bereavement um, and what that actually is because you can have grief with not having experienced that. So some of our providers um, can be experiencing grief if that was your client. Um, so many things. I'm going to go ahead and move into Ashley. So thank you thank again you. for sharing that. It's very informative. Um, Ashley Douse is a certified birth doula. Hello. Thanks. <laughs> um, as Sabrina said, I am a certified birth doula. I offer um, I've been supporting families in San Luis Obispo and Northern Santa Barbara counties over the past few years for birth, postpartum, and bereavement support. Um, yeah, I very difficult to talk about. Suffered a loss in 2017. Um, was not expected, just as any. Um, and just as anyone who is pregnant, it's not something that they think about. I had three previous um, full-term healthy pregnancies, three beautiful children, um, and it just kind of rocked my world. Um, from that, I knew that um, it was a part of my life now and I wanted to help other people through that. And so um, unofficially I started supporting um, local friends and family who had suffered miscarriages. Um, I was a part of a huge Facebook group with like 12,000 
women in it and um, offered my support to them. Um, I also interviewed about a hundred women in that group um, on loss and wanted to kind of go through the motions of figuring out their process, what helped them, what didn't help them, what um, things that were said to them that were beneficial and encouraging and affirming or things that were said to them that just felt incredibly invasive and way too personal um, and collected all of that um, data from them and decided that I wanted to come up with something that would benefit um, those who were going through a miscarriage in a way that made taking care of the technical stuff um, so much easier for them so they didn't have to worry about that and could move through their process. Um, so I wanted to create some sort of like a box of tools for um, people experiencing loss, perinatal loss. Um, but then we had a surprise, preg <laughs> surprise pregnancy, totally unplanned um, a few months after we had our miscarriage. And I ended up with hyperemesis gravidarum. So I was incredibly sick the whole time. And I did not have the will or the energy to put any kind of um, force into what I wanted to create. And then I had my baby and um, connected with Sabrina and we both were going through stillbirth day um, training at the time to become certified bereavement doulas. And one of the um, uh, requirements for certifying is to come up with a community project and so we collaborated on um, what that might look like and decided to create a resource guide for um, people in our area so that they knew who to reach out to, where to turn to, where to go to online um, for support. And um, then it just kind of turned into bringing up the box of tools that I had wanted to create. And uh, we collaborated on that some more and we were able to come up with this really beautiful bereavement box. And um, yeah, we were able to put it together, I think in like January, it was all finalized. We had a local midwife, Jennifer Okindo, who had donated her time to knitting some beautiful blankets for the box, um, a local, um, photographer who created a retail online retail shop, the Mayan Collective. Um, they donated some beautiful candles with personalized uh, message on the label. Um, and we just had a lot of really local uh, donations. So as you can see in the pictures that Sabrina pulled up, um, we've got the blanket, there's a candle, we have postpartum herbal blend, there's affirmations, a card in there for the care provider, doula, family to sign, um, a pack of tissues, some overnight pads, uh, checks pads so they can lay the tissue or the, um, the baby on there. Um, and then some gloves so they can 
hold their baby or touch their baby or the tissue. Um, so yeah, we just, we put this box together. And so far we've been able to hand out, um, I think 18 boxes have been passed out to midwives, other doulas, other people in the community um, who need them. So it's been, it's been a blessing and something that I wish I had when I lost my baby. Um, but uh, yeah, I have a, a live box right here. The pictures are great though, but um, the box just comes together like this. This is the candle that the Mayan Collective um, donated. Sabrina came up with the message on the front, which is incredibly appropriate. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know, there's not really much more to say um, other than just talking a little bit about what bereavement support can look like um, from a doula. Uh, just as with labor and birth and postpartum, you know, the process is incredibly fluid. So what one family might need, the next would be different. Um, and also depending on the type of loss you're experiencing. So if this is a miscarriage, a stillbirth, um, a termination, uh, that's all going to look different for everybody. But typically, um, just kind of technically speaking, you know, there would either be a consultation if someone is planning a termination or has an ectopic pregnancy or a molar pregnancy and they need to do a DNC. Um, you know, you'll have a consultation, there'll be a prenatal visit or a visit of some sort, um, unlimited phone, text, email support, um, access to resources. Uh, I had a business birth within doula services. My business partner, Alexandra, Alexandria Porter took over for that. And so, um, but before I left, we have a, a large selection of books in the library to check out that revolves around bereavement, um, specifically miscarriage and uh, stillbirth. Um, so that's available. The bereavement box is complimentary to anyone in the community. You don't have to hire um, me or Alexandria or Sabrina or, um, Brittany Randolph or Dina Salas or any of, of the doulas in the area or have a midwife to have access to this box. So if you know of anyone who is in need of a box, just reach out and one will be available. Um, a doula can also help with, you know, memory keepsakes and coming up with a plan on how to memorialize your baby or your child. Um, sibling support, um, Lactation support, you may want to pump and donate, or you may need to dry your milk up. Um, so, you know, we have wonderful IBCLCs in the area that can help with that, that we would give resources to. Um, Alexandria Porter, Cheryl Gross, um, Megan Bocum, those are just a few to list for um, lactation support. Um, grief support, we have Jennifer Rogas and, um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, just postpartum visits. I have gone with families to um, their DNCs or to their visits for um, termination. Uh, so, you know, we're just there to hold space. And just as we would be there for the labor and the birth, we can be there through that process as well. I know it kind of makes it difficult with COVID right now um, because of visitor policies, but. Um, but some people don't have that 
uh, a partner or support. So a doula is a great option for that. Um, and then extended, you know, phone, text, email support, extended postpartum care, um, just really being there for the person um, moving through that experience and holding space any way that they can. Um, and most doulas, especially in this area, their bereavement support is no charge. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into uh, this experience and this journey. And the grief that can come, as Jennifer was talking about, can last weeks, months, years, but the process generally is, um, and is short. And so, um, you know, we can, we have the ability to make ourselves available and not have to charge for, for those um, services. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a, it's a very fluid process. Each family going through this journey is going to be very unique. So like I said, just as with labor and birth and postpartum, whatever the family needs, that's what the doula can be there for. Well, just, we're just available for whatever the needs are. Thank you, Ashley. Um, both of you, I felt like really complimented our conversation today. Very, very well-rounded. Um, and for people who are gonna be listening later, we will definitely put both of your information in there um, to ask any questions. Um, I feel like, um, especially with the boxes and um, having background in the hospital, um, that not every loss happens at, at a hospital. And so these boxes um, for families and midwives um, or anybody experiencing a loss early on at home um, is just very, very beneficial. And so um, I think just the over the theme of having support, knowing people can reach out and have resources and that they aren't alone, as you can hear from the statistics of how many people are affected and that's the person actually experiencing it. And so just think of the ripple effect for the partners, for families, for friends, for loved ones. Um, so you can always reach out and in the chat, Dr. B said, um, thanks for the box. It was awesome, Ashley. And so a chiropractor, I, I don't even think we were thinking of that in the beginning with the boxes, um, but um, your patients um, in all different areas can experience loss. So thank you both for being here and um, giving us your knowledge and how to support um, people going through bereavement, um, pregnancy and infant loss. I am going to go ahead and stop recording and then we can open it up for Q&A. If you have to leave early, um, go ahead. But if you'd like to stay and with our speakers and um, ask any questions, now's the time. <laughs>